Follow Your Nose, and you will follow your beauty on this episode of Follow Your Beauty. Hi, I'm Dr. John Mendelson, Medical Director of the Advanced Cosmetic Surgery and Laser Center. And stay tuned as we bring Josh back. Josh, we're going to talk about your rhinoplasty today. And um, we're going to walk through. We, uh, For anybody who hasn't met Josh yet, he's been a longtime friend and patient of the practice. Uh, and he knows a lot about this topic. So let's, let's go back a little bit. And I want to I wanna start by showing some photos that we found here. Um, and this was, I believe, in 2008? I was just going to say, uh, that, right? that okay. sounds right. Mm -hmm. So Josh, when you, when you look at the photos, these are some uh, photos of Josh before his rhinoplasty. We were talking about it back then. Tell me what you're seeing and tell me what you were hoping to, to achieve here. Uh, well, this is probably not the best way to describe it, but I would say it, my nose is like the shape of a beak. And almost, you know, or um, they call it like, the, I guess, the Roman shape. Uh, so I didn't like the curve in my nose. I wanted a straight, flat nose. I wanted that, that little hump, the hump that I would say most people don't like. And um, looking at me straight on in photographs growing up, I looked great. But whenever somebody would snap a picture of me, and they would get that side profile, I felt so ugly. I was like, that's not the way I, I want to look. So when, when did that first, when did you first not like your nose, I guess, or want to change it, I should say? Well, I've always been in the beauty industry, so as soon as I started looking at other men's perfect noses, you know, Zac Afron's nose, all these celebrities' noses, um, and then I was, I met you um, early on, so I knew where to go. And um, so, yeah, that got me started wanting one. My fear mm -hmm. is what kept yes. me from doing it early and Let's on. talk I about that. What, 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 so what were your afraid. fears? Yeah. Oh, my God. Well, you could just Google nose jobs, and it, it, it's very, it's a, you know, it looks like it's going to hurt. Mm -hmm. You know, they have the hammer going, and mm -hmm. they're, they're mm -hmm. slicing your nose open <laughs> and, and going to town and uh, the chiseling. And um, so that I was really, really worried about. And so also getting, you know, put to sleep. Okay. That was a little worrisome, too. Okay, so you're worried about the safety of going to sleep. You're worried about the pain or just whatever you, you, you thought based on, based on how rhinoplasty is performed. What about the outcome? Um, because at the time, you know, I mean, the Internet existed, but, um, uh, well, I guess it was only 10 years ago. But what, what did you discover when you were, you know, online about rhinoplasty? I, um, I you know, after reading about it, it was... Uh, Early on, I was worried because of all of the um, the packing they would call it. So I think it was the having to go back to the doctor after you have the surgery to have the packing removed. All of the comments were that was so painful, mm -hmm. you know. And so that was another reason why I did not do it because I was didn't want to get packed. You know, online they were people would say there's feet of packing. They just keep packing and packing and packing. Six feet. It used to be six feet on Shut each side. So twelve feet total. I believe that. Mm -hmm. So there you go. Yeah, a lot of packing. So what Josh is referring to is is back in the day we used to place six feet seventy two inches by half inch gauze at the completion of the procedure, packed in the nose. And yes, the nose can handle that. Sure that's not a problem 
when you're asleep, unaware, but a couple days later when the packing comes out, it's gross, it's filled with mucus, it smells, it bleeds, people pass out. So, you know, when we do talks or seminars, you know, and I'll say, okay, who here wants to admit they've had rhinoplasty? A few hands go up. And what they'll, I'll say, what can tell me about it? Oh my, that's all they talk about. They, they don't, they, they really don't recall anything else except, except for that packing. So just so you know, and I know you know this, but I haven't put packing in a nose since about 1997. So I think you were probably three years old then or something. So, um, but, um, so we don't use packing anymore and that, and that is a big deal. Um, I just want to say with this, uh, episode, <clears throat> this is going to run a little bit longer. We've got a lot to get through. And my goal is for anybody who is thinking about this, who anybody who has questions about it. Hopefully by the end of this episode, you're going to know what you need to know. You'll be able to analyze your own nose. You'll understand even some things that are, are need to be done for your nose, and uh, it'll 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 get you started in the right area. I was going to break this up, but um, so so anyway, I appreciate I appreciate you listening or watching this, and we're going to go through the surgery as well in a few minutes. But what I want to do first is, and I, and I think that this is probably the best way to do this. And Josh, you may remember some of this, but I do want to say that. There's a big difference today, how we conduct the the whole process. Okay, now there were a few things. A, we've changed things uh, over time how we do it, um, and B, we already had a relationship established, so there was some trust there, and we would talk a little bit, you know, maybe not each time, but over the years about goals, and so you had time to just you know digest things a little bit. Um, so the internet is a great resource. I, th I think it's great. Our rhinoplasty patients are probably uh, some of the best educated patients anywhere because they have a lot of resources. And it's not just because you're looking at botched rhinoplasty. It's because there's a lot of good stuff out there, too. So patients come in, they understand a lot of this terminology, um, and sometimes they don't. But it's our job when we see patients to make sure that we're communicating effectively. This is true for everything, but it's particularly in, or especially true for in rhinoplasty. Uh, it's the difference between um, a good outcome and a great outcome. And, and um, it used to be, and you probably did this, honestly, uh, just remove the bump, whatever, you know, I trust you, go ahead, okay. And that's fine, and things worked out, and, and generally they do. But sometimes it's the nuances or the assumptions that, that patients make that make a difference in terms of not being happy with things. Also, because of the high level of fear with these things, because you see so many botched rhinoplasties, is we have difficulty sometimes getting patients to communicate with us what their real need is. I know this isn't your example, but I'm gonna use you as an example. Let's just say, um, let's say um, you were female and you had this bump on your nose. One of our big questions is, okay, I understand you don't like the bump, we can remove the bump, but do you want that dorsum to be slightly concave? Oh, right away, people, you know, they, they, they worry, they freak out because, you know, they, they think about this and, and the old rhinoplasty. So it takes, it, it takes a little bit of trust and communication to get through. So what I want to start with is just naming some of the anatomy, okay? And the reason for this is important is because that way we're all speaking the same language when we talk about rhinoplasty and there's no confusion. When you say you want, you want to slope a certain way, well, what does that mean? So I'm going to go through this. It's really pretty, some basic stuff here. So... Um, I'm going to try to use my nose here. So this is the dorsum. This is called the columella, okay? Uh, this is called the philthrum, and, and, and I'll, I'll go through some. And this is called the alarim, but those aren't terribly important for, for what we're talking about. Um, so I did this ahead of time, and I want to walk through this. Um, <laughs> it's not a great drawing, 
But it's me just sketching on the iPad what these some of these structures look like with regards to um, so oops, to the anatomy. And, and rather than me talking there, I'm going to show you here. So it's a great drawing. These are called lower lateral cartilages, and um, those are where your nostrils are. And you can see where your skin would be. So if you put your finger on the tip of your nose, where that dot is, you're going to feel the right and the left lower lateral cartilage. Okay, so that's, yeah, right. So that's some important stuff. Yours might feel a little more stiff. We'll talk about that in a minute. But we've got a right and a left side. Um, these little maneuvers that you see here, commonly, these are common maneuvers. They aren't always used, but they commonly are. This is called the cephalic trim. Cephalic just means towards the head. Trim means we're removing it. So just removing a little bit of it. These are some things where we can refine the tip. Okay, we can, we can help set the projection and rotation of the tip. We do that commonly by borrowing a piece of the nasal septum. If you put your finger inside your nose and you feel that rubbery thing, that's our nasal septum. And people have a deviated septum. A lot of times we'll fix the functional part of that, but we'll borrow that and we'll recycle that part by placing it between the right and the left um, lower lateral cartilage there. And now this becomes a strut. It becomes what we call a calumella strut. I told you before, that's the location of it. And we'll take a little suture and we'll sort of zip up, we'll stabilize that. And that calumella strut acts to support the nose. It acts to uh, help, again, deliver some of the appropriate projection or deprojection and rotation. Okay, so these are very common maneuvers, um, both of which we performed uh, when we did your rhinoplasty. Um, so you can see here where we can draw the tip together. Sometimes patients have a bulbous tip or a wide tip. Josh, that wasn't a complaint of yours at all. But one of the important things about this is um, I've got longer hair than you do, but let's say a woman or even me wearing a ponytail. If we pull our hair back, okay, something looks different about our face even though we haven't changed our face, okay? And most women and men who have long hair might know that if they wear their hair back. The same thing here. If we're reducing a bump on the nose, now all of a sudden something might look different, okay? Did we, even though we really haven't changed it. So our job is to make sure, not that we're trying to do more, we don't wanna do more, we just wanna fix things appropriately one time and have you live happily ever after. Okay. Yes. Does that make yes. sense? Yes. Um, so a few, few basic things here about rhinoplasty. As you recall, we perform this under IV sedation. That means you come in, we start an IV, you're breathing on your own, you're not intubated, there's, there's an oral airway, I'll explain that in a minute, but you're not intubated. There's, no, you're, uh, there's not a machine breathing for you. You're not paralyzed. Sometimes you get a little bit light during the anesthesia. I just say, give them more, okay? But it's a nice, safe way to do it where we don't have uh, postoperative a lot of nausea, vomiting. Those things can lead to bleeding and other problems, of course. And so we find that a very safe way to do it. For anybody who's had a colonoscopy, it's the same type of medication that we use for that. Additionally, we'll localize the area. We'll numb it up. You won't feel that. And from prior episodes, you might recall that the lidocaine numbs it, but there's also epinephrine in the solution, and that reduces the blood flowing to the area. So we have virtually no blood loss during this procedure, and that's what we want. Nice. Okay, so that's the setup for what, for what we're, we're doing here. So Josh, I know you've never seen these photos because I just uncovered them. We haven't used them anywhere. And I don't know how you are, my, I, but I'm going to show you some of the surgical procedure with photos. If you don't want to look, don't look. But for those viewers who are out there who do want to look, we're going to walk through this, okay? So this is pretty straightforward here. You can see this little purple marking. 
Uh, this is where we make what's called a transcolumella incision, a little marking here. Anytime you see this, or and this is a common way to approach it, it's called an open approach rhinoplasty. And the majority of rhinoplasties performed these days are probably open approach. Um, we can talk about the differences between open and closed, but this is commonly what we do. And so here I am marking uh, Josh's nose. You can see that yellow thing in your mouth there, Josh. That's the oral airway. We do that because just like when you sleep, your tongue may fall backward, and we want to make sure that you're breathing, that your tongue's not obstructing your airway. It's a good thing. We've got that little oxygen cannula in there, and you can see we're marking your main area of concern, which is that nasal dorsal area. As we move into the inside of the nose here, there's a marking. We don't always mark it. I'm doing this just for, for these purposes. Is This is called a marginal incision, and it's placed right along the lowest part of that cartilage, that lower lateral cartilage, and, and we'll plan to make an incision there. So here we are making the incision, and you can see we're going to come right along. It's basically where the hair inside the nose stops. It's right along that edge, uh, and that's where we make our incision. Then we'll dissect. We're just going to elevate over this area, and voila. You've probably never seen that before. That's, um, that's what those lower lateral cartilages look like. Okay, so we're retracting that skin, and we're looking in what we call an anatomic position. What that means is this is the way your nose is. We're not pulling it or bending it. We're just looking at, at, at what's going on. Some of the things that you alluded to earlier, this is a little nasal rasp. Um, so just like a little nail file, we may take down the top portion of the, the bump. The top portion is bone. The lower portion is actually sculpted. It's cartilage. Okay, so the rasp won't work. So we actually sort of sculpt that area. So the top part, we're using the rasp bump. Um, and then I'm just showing here that these lower lateral cartilages, generally we want to make sure that we leave seven millimeters behind. That's what people talk about, and that's the general. We want to leave enough structure behind. However, that cephalic trim, though, will be made. You, the skin hook here isn't meant to be a pointer, but that's right at the area for the tissue that we would actually be removing, okay, that, removing some of that so that we can reduce that. This is a small piece of cartilage we took from your nasal septum that we fashioned, and then we're going to dissect and place between the right and the left lower lateral cartilage, this graft. It's called the columella strut, remember that. And then we're going to suture it into place. We're going to kind of check things out. And at this stage, what I want to say is this. This, this really differs a lot, so I want, just want to go back to something in, in the overall process. So. You meet with me. Uh, well, here, let me, let me go through the whole process. You come in for a consultation. You don't know me. We talk about it. You're all excited. You want to sign up. Guess what? We don't usually allow you to sign up right then. What we do is there's a little bit of homework, and there's a little bit more communication. You just showed me some things before we got started here with uh, Snapchat or Facebook or whatever, Facetune or whatever you were showing me. I don't, I don't know. But they were filters. And so a lot of patients will come in with their filters, and they'll play with their nose. And that's a good tool. That's a great tool to say this is kind of what, I, what I'm interested in. Okay, There's an app called Facetune. Not that we promote Facetune, but rhinoplasty patients brought it to me. It's a wonderful way to manipulate your own profile, to move things around. It really makes you think. You've got to be very thoughtful about what you're doing. What do, do I really want that? Is that too much? And then, so in our second meeting, we'll also do some computer imaging. So we'll, we'll, we'll go through that. And it's a tool to communicate. It's not... Here's your result, right. okay? It's a direction that we're headed, and that's very important. But as we do this, um, in, in another episode, um, we had a guest who was worried about her friend having eyelid surgery. 
And what we talked about was encouraging those significant others to come in for the consultation or at any point so that they're part of it, so they're involved, okay, so that they understand what to expect. All right, so that's important to kind of set things up, set the right expectations. The next thing is let's say somebody, you decide to schedule, we'll schedule a preoperative consultation, you'll meet with one of our nurses, and we'll further review medical history, that sort of thing. But more importantly, you'll also review the same sorts of things with her, okay? And the significance is at this point in the operation, once we've gone through the first hour, hour and a half, usually it takes between an hour and a half and two and a half hours, but once we've done 90% of the work, we'll go back, I hand everybody a Q-tip, okay? And they'll start pointing out the flaws or where we need to do more, okay? Our uh, anesthetist gets involved now, our scrub tech, our nurse. So we're really trying to bring everybody together. And it's not about their views about how your nose should look. It's about how your nose, how you desire your nose to look. So collectively, we do a better job of not leaving the operating room until we're all satisfied. Okay, and it's a big, big difference in terms of how we used to do things. If you look at your next photo here, which we took at some point, you can still see on your dorsum a little bit of a bump there. So we're just kind of stabilizing, you know, the nose, and we're, you know, we're just kind of taking photos. So we'll go back and we'll then trim, you know, some additional cartilage. That white vertical cartilage there in the middle that you see is, uh, is, is your nasal septum. Okay, this is another part that I, this is probably the most common question. Doc, do you need to break my nose? Um, well, I, I phrase it differently. Um, I say we're making a cut in the bone, but yes, this instrument that I have in my hand here is called an osteotome. And what we're doing, again, if we take the bridge of your nose down, I'm gonna try to do this as, um, and maybe I'll, I'll try to do this the best I can. Our nose is roughly triangular in shape. If you take the bump down, we flatten the top, now it's more of a trapezoid, okay? If we left you like that, then that's what we call an open roof deformity. So we make the little cuts in the bone so that we can bring the nasal bones back down to reconstitute a nice triangular shape. Does that make sense? So that's, that's why we are making a cut in the bone, an osteotomy, breaking the nose, okay? It doesn't add any more time in terms of recovery. We don't use any packing. It's not always dumb, but I would say probably 75% of the time it is. Okay. Okay? Um, and then, uh, oh, and there's, that's what you were talking about right there. So that's called a mallet and uh, somebody. Yes, I see it. Cindy was our nurse at the time. She's helping us out here. And then, uh, and then we'll meticulously go ahead and close, close the incisions on the table. This is kind of what we're seeing. There's already some swelling there. Do you put like a, a salve on my eyes? Uh, yes, we do. So uh, good point. So, um, and uh, you'll, you'll see in the next photo here. Um, yes, we do. We do that to protect your eyes um, okay. during the procedure so they don't dry out because okay. you may not be blinking as much um, and we don't want to cause problems. Yep, so that's what you're seeing. This is what we call aquaplast. It's a little tiny piece of plastic that when we put in hot water, it's very malleable. And then we go ahead and we'll tape your nose. We'll put the aquaplast over it, this little piece here, to stabilize from the osteotomy that we just performed. Then we'll put some tape over that and... We'll put little tiny pieces. It's called Surgicel, but we just stick a, put a little bit something right under your nose there just in case there's any bleeding overnight. We don't want it to crust at all, so we put some ointment. It's really just to hold the ointment in that area, uh, but that's not packing. It's a little tiny piece of, of gauze. Okay, so I don't know if you've approached your prior rhinoplasty like that before. I have. This is my first. Okay, yeah. so you seem yeah, to do it's, pretty... Yeah, it's pretty fascinating. It's good stuff. I need, I need, I need some of these pictures. 
Yeah, we've, we have, I think we have like 213 <laughs> photos or something that was taken. Um, at the time, I don't know, you probably remember Whitney. She's the one who took the photos and I, I uncovered them. Okay, so, um, so let's take a look at this. This is how, well, actually, before we go there, tell me how it was, if you can recall, mm-hmm. that night and throughout the week in terms of the recovery. I, um, I remember it. I remember every part of my surgery. Except with the exception of me being put out, um, it was I just followed directions. So I remember you have to sleep elevated. That's important. So you need the blood to flow correctly. That minimizes your swelling, mm-hmm. and um, uh, do not get your face wet. You can't get the splint wet. Right. And let me share with you why. Um, what we don't want is um, we don't want the water or any moisture sitting underneath that splint, your skin may break down and we could end up with some problems. So we do like to keep that dry. If it does get wet, let me just say we advise patients to take a hairdryer on cool and just to cool it off. But that is important. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah. So I, I just followed, you know, I, I, I was extremely careful with not getting my face wet and um, sleeping correctly. And um, I had, it was insane. I had like no under eye bruising. I had just minimal, like, kind of like the onset of a bruise. It was more yellow, mm-hmm. but nothing like I've seen most people went through. So I don't know if I was just, you know, so an oddity. I, so it's, it's pretty typical. I mean, we try not to bruise. And the other thing is the packing that we talked about that used to be in your nose. There's still blood that's, that's in your nose and still mucus that's produced. So it, it forces that into the tissues as well. So we rarely see much bruising. It's surgery, so I have to be careful. But, but it is pretty typical not to see a, a, a big degree of uh, bruising with this. Yes. Yeah. So I, um, I went to the hair salon because um, the first thing, you know, I'd like to take two showers a day and I like to wash my hair twice a day. I, or if I don't do that, I don't feel clean. Mm-hmm. So I was freaked out like, what? I can't get my head wet. Um, but I did uh, go to a hair salon and they washed my hair carefully for me. So, uh, you know. Every day? I, Pretty much. Okay, good. <laughs> okay, good. Well, that's much. good. Well, that's good yeah, advice. I, 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 I was a regular at the time, okay, so yeah. they didn't even charge me to wash my that's hair. Nice. Good. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think that I didn't feel any of it. So that was amazing. It, the, uh, it looks scary, mm-hmm. but I honestly did not feel any of that. None of it. Did you take any pain medication afterward? Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. That's the best part. Okay, right, yes, right. yes, yeah. You're, now, so, you're still I, taking it, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, and I'm okay. still yeah, okay. <laughs> I think that the, uh, what you need to do is make sure you, when you leave here, uh, you know, you're still out of it. You're a driver. You don't know what's really going on. And so your pain medication is still there, but it will start to linger and go away. So you need to make sure that you have somebody with you that can remind you here, take your Percocet or whatever to, to help. Um, and I had that. So I really did not have um, any pain, just a little discomfort, mm-hmm. you know, uh, or more of an annoyance having this thing on your face mm-hmm. for, for uh, a few days. Um, were, you, were you able to, uh, did you get out at all? Did you, besides oh the salon? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can, um, which I didn't have any uh, swelling or bruising. So I, um, I went and bought new sunglasses because you shared with me not, not too heavy. Mm-hmm. So at the beginning, so I was able to go buy some nice new shades. Um, that was my excuse. I got real expensive ones because they were, you know, lighter weight, lighter weight. I don't want to put pressure on my nose. Um, 
All right, so you did so you did pretty well that week. All right, yes. let's let's do this. I'm going to show you um, a little clip from when we took that splint off. So this is a, usually about five to seven days afterward. I want to make a few quick comments uh, from Josh in terms of pain medication. Um, we do give you the Vicodin or Percocet if you need it. Honestly, most patients either take a half or Tylenol. It's surgery. I don't want to. So we're not trying to create any pain. Um, it does. You know it. The, when the local wears off, there's some discomfort, but that's probably how I would describe it. That's how Josh just described it. It's not terribly painful. So if you if you did view these videos, or if you're still thinking, oh my God, I could never do that, it's very painful. Um, it's amazing that it, it, it really isn't. And um, I think most rhinoplasty patients are pleasantly surprised that, that their experience is better than they anticipated. I would do it again. I mean, if, if, even if, so it does not hurt. I would say out of all the surgeries, that's probably one of the least, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, for for you and for most, but um, but it's it's a lot of anxiety. So let's look at this. This is you getting your splint off. Okay. And I'm gonna just let. Well, actually, I think the. <laughs> I guess I'll just uh, maybe I'll just narrate over it here instead. Is I just want to go through the important things that, that you would be seeing here. So we take the tape off. It takes about 10 or 15 minutes. It's, it's affixed with mastisol, the sticky stuff that the tape is on with. We'll take it off. So what you're seeing, Josh, with your nose, and I don't know if you remember this, but what I'm showing you is where the splint was. So you can see a little depressed area. And we always point this out because you can see where the swelling is in the tip. Obviously, you just had surgery, right? This is six days later. We're taking the tape off. But within a few hours, the swelling, that, that line goes away. And so for individuals who, one of their primary reasons is to address the tip of the nose, we want to point out that they have swelling, okay? Because if you, if you were concerned about your tip, now you might feel that your tip is actually larger. It's wider. Oh my gosh, right? What's going on? So of course, we go over all these things beforehand. You're okay at this stage. When you're not okay sometimes, it's a couple months down the road where you'll come back, you'll be real nice, you'll say, um, I know there's still swelling, but is there really still swelling? Okay, so, so it, it's really important to understand what, what you're going through and, and what you could see it very well in, you know, in your photo there. So um, here's, here's, well, your eyes are closed here, but here's you admiring yourself. Um, I'm wearing the same ring too. Like um, we got some consistency going on, I'm there wearing you go. the same jewelry. You like it, you like it. <laughs> <laughs> is it the same shirt? I don't know. Um, anyway, so, what um, so I appreciate you being patient with this. I know it's I, I know this is a little bit little bit longer here, but do you have any advice for patients that might be seeking some changes in their nose? Definitely uh, check you know your plastic surgeon your plastic surgeon out. Make sure that they're certi board certified, like you're board certified like 150 times, I believe. Um, so uh, you know, and you've written books, and so you want to go s to someone who um, has a, a, an amazing reputation. And then I recommend uh, getting um, you know speaking to people that have gone to that surgeon. So getting direct feedback from possibly if you can, their patients. To see. Have you spoken to people who were interested in their nose and, but who didn't decide to do anything? And if so, what were the reasons that they, that they give you? I, I would say 100% of the time, it's the, the pain. They're afraid. They're just afraid. And they think that I'm crazy, that I did, say it's not, it doesn't hurt because they see these pictures and they see mm -hmm. what it looks like and how can that not hurt? But, um, you know, I just say... You take a gamble, take a chance. It's worth it. 
and it, yeah. Well, I've known you for a long time. I've never known you not to have self-confidence, but, I, but, I'm, but I'm curious, looking back, I don't think I've ever asked you this. What has the rhinoplasty, if anything, done for you in terms of, in terms of looking in the mirror and, and doing your thing? Well, I would say rhinoplasty, you can't look at me before and after and say I don't look any different. I mean, definitely my side profile, I think I look more handsome. I look more, uh, I just look better. I mean, look at that. What the, he- I mean, come on. That's insane. Yeah. That is insane. So, I mean, I look like two different people. So you're right. Rhinoplasty, it can change the way you look, but I would say it changes you for the better if you go to someone who knows what they're doing. Um, it can, it makes you look better. Well, good. Well, I'm glad. Yeah. yeah no, you've done very well. Yeah. I mean, and, uh, and, you, and you look great, and uh, you didn't have any, any problems. I think, I think for rhinoplasty, there's such a psychology. And you mentioned, you know, when you were younger, you looked in the mirror. We see a lot of people who start in, you know, at a younger age, and, and it's difficult sometimes growing up, especially these days, especially if somebody's teased about, uh, about something. Right. Um, so it does have a very profound uh, impact. Um, and so it's really important that things are communicated. Okay, forget all the technical stuff about rhinoplasty, but, but it, it's really important that, that you, as a patient, understand what you desire mm-hmm. and, um, and, that you, and that you communicate that uh, you know, very effectively. Um, there are, unfortunately, patients who, uh, you know, we do a lot of revision rhinoplasty as well. Mm-hmm. And um, I would say of all areas of the face, this is the most complex one um, to, to do well. Not every rhinoplasty turns out perfect. In fact, I'm going to say that another way, no rhinoplasties are ever perfect. There's, there's always something. So we strive for perfection, but we never achieve it. We let patients know that immediately. Everybody nods their head. That's fine. Uh, it's just the reality of it. And um, it's, it's a tricky operation. So this is an area where... Um, there are some great rhinoplasty surgeons out there who are not facial plastic surgeons, but I'm going to give a little call to, to our community of facial plastic surgeons. One of the things that differentiates many rhinoplasty surgeons that are facial plastics is during their training, during our training, there are days that we may have performed multiple rhinoplasties in a single day. Okay? As primary surgeon, some other types of general plastic surgeons may not have performed four or five rhinoplasties as general surgeon during their entire training. Okay, so it's kind of like going to a hand specialist. So, so this is, and I'm not advocating for me, I'm letting patients know that it's, it's, it's really important to make sure that, that you understand what, what that surgeon's abilities are. Mm-hmm. Okay, so anyway, with that being said, we're gonna turn it over to Julie for what's in and what's out, what's hot and what's not in plastic surgery. Julie. <laughs> Will Cardi B be at the party? Not sure about that. But the rap singer's recent plastic surgery left her unable to shine on the stripper pole. Appropriately enough, Cardi B, who's a former stripper in real life, was cast to play the role of an exotic dancer in the new movie Hustlers. But her recent setbacks due to not following her doctor's order after breast implants and liposuction left her unable to offer her optimal pole dancing performance. Sorry about that, Cardi B. And singing sensation and Havana singer Camila Cabello, although only 20, is rumored to have recently undergone a rhinoplasty to subtly thin out her nose, which she has repeatedly denied. Check out her before and after photos. According to the experts, she also reportedly had an upper eyelid lift or blepharoplasty, as her eyelids and eye makeup are now much more visible. 
She's also had a bit of volume added to her cheeks and lips thanks to fillers. And while the cast of Friends may not be at the party either, the fabulous six have now all entered their 50s. So how have they rolled back the hands of time? According to a top Hollywood plastic surgeon, Jennifer Anderson has had Botox in her forehead and around her eyes or crow's feet. She's also had a rhinoplasty or nose job in her 20s supposedly to fix a deviated septum. Lisa Kudrow's had a rhinoplasty and a bit of fillers in her cheeks. Courtney Cox was recently overfilled and her cheek area has cut way back having her fillers dissolved to look more natural. Matt LeBlanc is defying the aging process by having Botox in his forehead. And David Schwimmer appears to have had also undergone a rhinoplasty as his nose is a bit slimmer at the base. The jury's still out, however, on Matthew Perry, who's had quite a bit of weight fluctuation over the years. That's it for today's news in plastic surgery. You can see more of my plastic surgery journey and also follow your beauty by going to 351face.com. Why not sign up for a younger you today? Thank you, Julie. Welcome back. Before we go, I'd like to send it over to Karen Whitney to say a few things about Studio A and what's happening with some of the Studio A reward savings. Hello, I'm Karen Whitney. I'm excited to give you a sneak peek of Studio A, brought to you by Advanced Cosmetic Surgery and Laser Center. The Studio A staff have performed thousands of injectable procedures, such as Botox and fillers. And as a national leader in injectables, I know how important it is to provide you with the best care so you can look your best. You're probably aware and may have already used Botox as over 1.5 billion injections were performed just last year. To learn more about Botox and other treatments, just go to 351face.com or call us at 351-3223. That's it for today. Thanks for tuning in. For this and other podcast episodes, please go to 351face.com forward slash follow your beauty. You can sign up and log in, schedule your complimentary consultation. We're happy to see you for rhinoplasty or anything else. Josh, thank you again. Thank you for sharing your rhinoplasty with everybody. Now everybody knows what the inside of your nose looks like. Thank you. Um, so, um, so we hope to have you back again. Uh, we hope you tune in again for another episode of Follow Your Beauty live from Studio A, from the Advanced Cosmetic Surgery and Laser Center.